One of the most frequently asked questions I get from people who are visiting our church is, what do you do with the youth? What do you do for the youth? <laughs> so today on Life Talks, we're continuing our series on why do we do that by talking about youth ministry. Ben, you cut your teeth in ministry. In I the was youth a youth ministry. pastor for six years. My dad was a youth pastor. That's the first job he ever had in 1976. I was I studied my first semester in college to be a youth pastor, and then I realized I was going to starve to death. <laughs> so I switched to education and got a teaching degree. So I've never actually been a youth pastor. We both love teenagers. We yeah. love hanging around them. Yes, um, and we're we're blessed to, to have survived them in our own homes. But uh, it is it is an important topic, and yet, uh, dun, 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 Dan's going to get half negative here or fully negative. <laughs> I don't know that there's any particular area of ministry where the research would say as clearly as it does in regard to youth ministry, it's a real failure, at least the way we're doing that. So today I mean, that's a that's a bold that's a bold uh, take. It but is. I think but I think that you have some legitimate concerns, which I, I, I do, prove. and it's based on research. So right. a guy by the name of Christopher Smith and a, he's got an associate, a female whose name is Denton, I believe. Was it Chris, is it Christopher or Christian Smith? I can't Maybe remember. Maybe it's Christian. It may be Christian. Yeah. Cr- cr- yeah. Uh, who is a professor at Notre Dame University who has done a longit- longitudinal study for over 20 years yeah. now, written a series of books off of his findings that basically says about 85% of the young people that grow up in our church and go to our youth ministries walk away for you know at least an extended period and sometimes permanently from the church. Yes. This is true both in Protestant and in Catholic and also in evangelical churches. So yes. there's no there's no you know this this is not necessarily something that's unique to our particular style of, of right. church. But it anything that has an 85% failure rate cannot be considered successful, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the dirty little secret of yeah. youth ministry is that um you might have numbers of kids showing up and it what is considered successful is usually there's lots of kids here, right? Mm-hmm. But really if if we're going to be honest, what is success successful youth ministry is about how often are kids faithful after they leave high school, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the whole point is, is our, have they owned their faith? I remember that was the biggest, well, the bullseye for me when I was a youth pastor was we want our kids to own our faith, own their faith by the time they leave here. Mm-hmm. And so that was the moniker that I used that they, that, that every kid, because they were, they had, they'd grown up in the church. Most 90% of my kids went to a Christian school. They, they had heard, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of chapel messages, Bibles, you know, whatever. They've been taught the Bible their entire life. But if they did not own it, it didn't matter how much they were around it. And I mm-hmm. think that's the the reality that a lot of our, we, we find ourselves in. And so this has been an ongoing, and it's in, youth ministry has morphed so much over the years. It really is a, um, it, it, the things, what I would say is what we're doing now, we it was not happening 60 70 years ago right, right? so it's what, we have to understand that that the, all these things have morphed over time and so now what when you're a parent with kids or teenagers or whatever you walk into a church and you the first question is where's your youth group and and let me meet the youth pastor mm-hmm. and those are that's a good thing i'm not saying that's bad but just because a church has a youth pastor a youth ministry and even a "Quote unquote large youth ministry does not necessarily mean that it's a successful youth ministry." Right, right, yeah, and I think if we're going to be brutally honest, and I hope we are, um, many churches started 
youth groups out of a reaction rather than intention. Hmm. Um, f- first of all, you know, we never used the word teenager till like the 1940s or 50s, right? right? So right. the idea that adolescence was some kind of special, you know, and, and adolescence has continued to grow. It used to be, you know, 8th through 12th grade and and then it was 6th through 12th grade. Now yeah. it's, we've got tweens yeah. and it doesn't stop at 12th grade. Now, you know, people are delaying marriage until they're 30 and, and kids are living at home until they're late 20s. Right. And and so adolescence is continuing. And then we have the whole idea, well, that's when it's it's like a rite of passage. That's when you sow your oats. Mm. So we've turned we've turned youth into a two decade long affair. It's unbelievable. And it's irresponsible. It it and it's the prime years of their life. It's yeah. it's the you're never gonna be healthier, you're never gonna be better looking, you're never gonna be learning more than you are between the ages of twelve and thirty-two. Right. So um it, it's opportunity lost to some extent. Yeah. I believe the other thing is I I think the reaction is often because parents don't know what to do with their teenagers. Mm. So the teenager comes to church they went, this is boring. I don't like the music. And so they say, well let's get rid of this problem. And way to get rid of this problem is to get it out of my earshot. Hmm. So what we do is we detach the young people from the church. We send them to a different wing or even a different building. Yep. We give them their own pastor. They give them their own worship experience. They give them their own lesson and their own activities. And in the res- and then when they graduate from high school and they move away, there's no connection left to that church whatsoever yeah. because what they knew as churches no longer exists for them. Yeah, they, they connected to a youth ministry, but not to the Church of Jesus Christ. And the expectation many times for the youth minister uh, is that he's not really a minister. He's not a disciple maker. He's not a theolo- theologian of any s- substance or weight, but he's a director. Mm. And his direction is to keep my kids from whining and griping, mm. keep my kids happy and giggling, keep my kids entertained and somewhat attached to uh, moralism mm-hmm. at, at some level. Um, and, and I often, you know, when I'm hiring over the years, people that be a youth pastor, one of the first things I say is, if you're looking to be the activities director on a cruise ship, go to a cruise line. Do not come to a church. <laughs> because a lot of times that's what the, yeah, well, I know really great activities. We played games. When I was a teenager, we had such a good time. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Get lost. <laughs> I'm not really interested. Yeah. Because they don't understand the opportunity they have. Yeah. So, so I want to back up and give a quick uh, history lesson of how we got here. Because I, I think we need to understand where how his, how youth ministry evolved. You could go all the way back to the, the Sunday school movement of the late 1700s as as the beginning of a focus on youth, and it was really happened in England with the you know the the kids that worked in the factories and chimney sweeps. Yeah, it was it was it was a way in which to rescue these kids from poverty, from crime, and um and by you know started in 17. Uh, 80, but by 1850, 2 million kids were in Sunday school. It became the norm across Europe. And it really helped kids. It, it when, when the factories were closed on Sunday, the churches opened up and they would teach kids from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it was a true school. They taught them how to read and write and they used the Bible as their textbook. Mm-hmm. And so this trained a generation of people. And, and so a lot of the religious awakenings that we saw in England and America, we can attribute to... Um, churches, you know, opening their hearts and their doors to these, to these children, to the young people. Uh, a lot of that changed with the advent of mandatory and compulsory or universal compulsory education in the 1870s. And all of a sudden kids had to go to school, mm-hmm. right? And, 
And that was, which is a movement that was promoted by most Christians. That was a, that was a Christian movement. But what that did was it took that, that place that churches had to be the primary educators of a generation and it moved it to the state. So that was a huge shift in, you know, 150 years ago. Uh, but, but then we saw things, different, different movements over time, the YMCA. Then you had early 1900s, 1940s and 50s, you had Young Life and Youth for Christ. They were massive, uh, you know, big, big rallies, small groups. And, you know, Billy Graham started that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the advent of the hip, they were always things that were parachurch. Mm-hmm. It was never really, there was, you would have never heard about a youth pastor being on staff in the early 1900s. It really was, like you said, it was a reaction to the to the hippie movement um, in the 60s and 70s when churches started to be like, well, we needed to, we need to address this, you know, this baby boomer generation that seems to be, you know, anti-God. And so their solution was, let's, let's hire a pastor to focus in on the adolescence. And so Liberty University was the first university in America to have a youth pastor program in 19, I think it was 1972, hmm. first time. Uh, and my dad, he was hired as a youth pastor in 1970s. So 1970s was really an advent. It was the decade by which people started hiring for a this this position, and it morphed over time, right? So in the in the 80s and 90s, it was about you know attraction. Attract. It was almost like let's create an alternative society. We don't like where the culture is going, so therefore we're going to do things that the world does. We're going to do everything that MTV is doing and the culture is doing. We're going to give you a Christian version of that mm-hmm. in, in youth ministry. And that's what the 80s and 90s were. It was giving Christian kids an alternative society to belong to that you could still have fun, but we're going to do fun in a Christian way. And we got away from making disciples. You know, when you think about the Sunday school movement that began and even Young Life and Youth for Christ, it was very evangelistic. And, and it stopped from being that to uh, we want to make sure you're having fun at church. Mm-hmm. And when you start making having fun at church, it changes things. Now, I saw the needle or the pendulum swing a little bit more in the 2000s when I became a youth pastor in 2000 was the advent of the passion movement and the worship movement. And you saw this. Uh, this desire to have these large worship gatherings. And so there was kind of a recorrection where kids wanted to experience something that was transcendental and experiential. Uh, but there still was not a sense of, hey, I, I know doctrine, I know God, I know, you know, I'm connected to the church. It was always, like you said, this segmented group. It evolved from, we're going to meet an hour before Sunday night church to now they meet in a different building with their own pastor and their own teacher um, in another part of the church. And all of a sudden it was like, they're not even a part of the church anymore, you know? And so there's, there has been this awakening that as we're looking up 50, 60 years down the road, since we've started youth ministry and we're saying, what, what, whatever we have done for the last 50 years, we, we've made the problem worse. Right. right? And so, I'm, what I'm here to tell you is we're not going to get rid of youth ministry. I don't think that's the solution. I think there is a right way to do youth ministry. But I think the biggest issue that parents need to realize is youth ministry is not the silver bullet to make sure your kids walk with Jesus. Yeah. It, you know, 
youth ministry should be the the supplemental insurance. Right. It, it is it's kind a of tool like in the it toolbox. Is, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's wonderful when your when your students love to come to youth group because you know hopefully they're learning about Jesus. They're being discipled. There's a discipleship focus. There's a there's a equipping focus. Um, but but it's not. They can have fun. I'm not anti fun. You know, when I was a youth pastor, we had fun. I think you should have fun, but you shouldn't only have fun. And you shouldn't have fun be 80% and we sprinkle Jesus, the, the 20%. And I think there's a lot of youth ministries that have done that over the years, and it's produced very shallow Christians, you know? And so I, I think to recapture what youth ministry should be, it's looking at kids and believing that a young person at 13, 14 years old has just as much potential to follow Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength than it's someone who's 40 years old. We've got to set the standard higher than saying, I just, I just want Johnny to like church. That's such a low standard we have for our kids. Why not? No, I want my kid to be a disciple of Jesus who loves Jesus with all their heart. That's the standard we want to have. And so when we 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 base it to the, I just want my kid to, to like church and enjoy going to church. Man, that is a that's a really bad standard mm-hmm. to to fall back on. So those are the things I know I, I've been long-winded, but that is a that's the history. That's where we are. And that's where I think we need to, if we're going to adjust. That's the direction we need to move towards. Absolutely. And and parents, <clears throat> one of the things that we have to understand is that we are in the driver's seat and we need to stay in the driver's seat. Don't turn your kids over to a Christian school. Don't turn your kids over to a youth department. Don't turn your kids over to a youth pastor to do what God has assigned for you to do, which is to lead and direct your kids. And and so th- one of the things that I that I see in my work with family discipleship is discipleship by proxy, and it's mm-hmm. ev- everybody wants to assign. It's like people who want to give birth; they want little kids, but when the kids grow up and sass them and disobey, and you know, write on the walls, they want somebody else to raise them. Well, yeah. no, no, no. You signed up for the whole process. <laughs> so, and discipleship is part of the process. You know, when they come to know Christ, great. But discipleship's messy and long term, and we have to be uh, integrated into that. And, and, and quite frankly, we're failing at it. Otherwise we wouldn't have the dropout rate. And part of that is the youth response uh, groups responsibility. But I would say this, I think we're blaming youth groups too much for that because it was never the youth group's responsibility to disciple the kids. So if 85% of the kids are walking away, it's not the church's fault. Um, it, it, there's enough blame to, to spread around. It's partially the parents' fault. It's partly the culture's part fault. It's partly the church's fault. It's partly uh, the students' fault. Right. They because gotta, ultimately, uh, unless we don't, like you said, right. if we don't own our faith, we're not going to follow right. our faith. Yeah. I mean, there there are some kids. I, I remember t- going to a youth ministry conference one time, and he said, you know, we were talking about how to reach kids that that were disinterested in church. He's like, I'm not talking about the kids. Like, if you put a rock on the stage, they'd be like, oh man, that was so good. You know, like <laughs> there are certain kids that you just know, like you could put a rock on the stage and like God moved in my heart today, and and that's true, right? But it's the kids that just. Are, are not there. And and here's the crazy part, Dan, because you and I, as parents, and every parent listening to this, you can put your kid in the greatest environment known to mankind that is protective and that is that is great, Christian, everything wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they 
have to make the choice to follow Jesus. That's right. There's nothing you can do to make them become a Christian. And so putting them in all the right environments, but but I think what you're saying, the fault of those four entities, whether it's the church, it's the culture, it's the parents, and it's the, the student, hopefully we can, if the church is smart, and 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 the parents are are active and and we're seeking the Lord. We can take care of the three of those, real you know, predominantly, and leave that fourth part up to the to the between God and the child to say, will you follow Jesus? But but we should not be making the problem worse, yeah. right? And so I think th- those are things that uh, I know that this may sound like we're anti youth ministry. We're, I'm I'm not anti youth ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. we're looking to hire a youth pastor to this church, and mm-hmm. and we we hope to do that and. I have great hopes and and plans for the youth in this church, but I think we have to understand where it has come from, what it is not doing. We've got to be honest, like parents that think if my kids are involved in a youth ministry, it's going to save my kid. That's... You you got to stop believing that lie. Right. It's, it's, It's really the things that make a kid really own their faith have very little to do with youth ministry and have everything predominantly have to do with did they did did, did a kid um, eat dinner with his family five times a week? That's a huge that's a huge mm-hmm. factor. Kids that follow Christ follow keep with their faith after high school. Did they have meals with their family five times a week? Another one was did they actually serve in the church they attended? If they were actually involved in a ministry team, they did not just come to receive, but they were actually involved in serving the body life, that was another factor. Another factor was, did they worship with their family? That there was actually, they sat together as a family and worshiped God together as a family, as opposed to worshiping in different corners of the church building. So those are all things that might sound like, well, that seems pretty simple. But when you people that did keep their faith those were some of the common factors that people saw that that was the norm on a weekly basis. It wasn't, we let, I'm going to go on a tangent again. <laughs> um, it They didn't let extracurricular activities invade the priority of going to church. Which was one of the factors as well. That's another ma- major yeah. factor. When, when, when it came to, uh, we choose sports or church, we choose sports. Just know this, you are setting your kid up to deny Christ after high school yep. Yep. because they you have modeled for them there are things more important than god in life yep and and you might think well you know I, we we love god and and i'm just telling you what you model for them says so much more than what you say to them sometimes and if there's a conflict between church and sports and sports always wins you're telling them that god is in church are not as important as sports are and so you're discipling your kids every single day, every single week with choices. And that's part of the responsibility of parenting. And it, it mystifies me that we don't understand that there is spiritual discipline to the well-balanced Christ follower. Uh, in as much as, you know, we teach our kids, go to bed at a decent hour. Don't stay up till two o'clock in the morning and expect to sleep till noon. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we teach our kids, you know what? You don't get to eat potato chips all day long. You're going <laughs> to you're gonna have to have a balanced diet. Drink drink your shake, right? Yeah. And, 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 and no, you can't watch five hours of TikTok. You know, you need to put your phone down at, 
If you're not doing those things, you're not a good parent. Right. Plain and simple. You're right. not parenting. And the same thing is if you don't say, you know what, we're going to give three hours a week to the Lord, just three hours. But this is this is not a negotiation. This is not a negotiation. All right. Yeah. Three hours a week is going to go. And it's going to be at the beginning of the week. It's going to be on the first day of the week. It's going to be in the morning. But that's that's our baseline. And that's part about leadership. It's about training in the disciplines. It's about parenting. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So... so all right, we're almost done. All right. I don't have anything else to say, Dan. Well, I got plenty more to say, but I'm going to save it <laughs> for another episode. This is one of my hot topics. But, but and let know. me just say this. there's We have such amazing adult leaders at this church that pour and invest in the life of students. And, and I, I just want to say this. Your work and your dedication to the next generation of kids at our church is phenomenal. And Wendy, if you send your kids to the, to the student, to student life here— um, they're going to get peep, adults that love on them, encourage them, support them, model Jesus for them. There's so much great things that they're going to experience here at, at Student Life, here at Life Fellowship. Um, and so please don't, what, what I don't want people to hear is, man, if I work with youth, this is just a waste of my time. Yeah, yeah. It is not. There, yeah. There's amazing work that, and I, I look at my six years as a youth pastor as as fruitful years of ministry. Um, but it was because our focus was making disciples and not just having fun. Exactly. And I think that's that's the the biggest takeaway is youth ministry that's that's focused on fun and is not focused on making disciples is going to lead to that 85%. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> I hate the phrase it takes a village because what most people mean by the village. In fact, I wrote a book on it, it had four chapters that <laughs> and then I actually made some money off of it one time. But <clears throat> it does take it does take a family. Yeah. And spiritually speaking, the family involves everything from your pastor to your small group leader to your to your youth workers and Sunday school teachers, nursery workers. And it does take part of that. That's why being at church is so important. Mm. That's why integrating into the church by serving and leading is important. Yeah. And and it does make a difference. It yes. leaves an impact on the kids' life. May we each pray that God would bring other adults into the lives of our children who will have a positive influence for the gospel in their life. Amen. Well, folks, it's always great to talk to you. And this has been another one in our episode on why do we do that? I hope that it stirred some thoughts in you. As always, we would ask for you to share Life Talks, if you would, with your friends and neighbors on your social media feed. You can follow us, uh, uh, subscribe, and, uh, and spread the news. We always appreciate it. And as always, thanks again for listening to Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.